Hey, Green Tree family, good morning. I'm Tom Ricks, one of the pastors here at Green Tree. It's good to be together with everybody this morning. Uh, I really appreciated Mallory's call to worship a few minutes ago because she reminded us of what God is doing. God is setting free, God is redeeming, God is giving new life, all those things that we long for, all those things that we so desire. And so this morning, I want to continue to consider that in the context of our sermon series, A New Reality. We've been looking at 1 Corinthians, and we're going to do that again this morning. We're going to be in chapter 16. If you're new to Green Tree, uh, we study the Bible every Sunday morning. Uh, That might uh, seem natural to you, or it might seem odd to you. You may be a person familiar with the Bible. Uh, You may be a person who's never uh, cracked it open. Uh, But we are so thankful that we're able to do that. We're able to worship God, not just with our emotions, but also with our mind and our, and our intellect, and consider what uh, we believe God's Word says to us. So if you have a Bible, uh, you can lay your hands on one, even, even through your phone or your iPad. Uh, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and in just a couple minutes, we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 11. So the last, uh, the last 10 months has been quite a journey for uh, all of us. Uh, it's been an interesting journey for me, both because of COVID and politics and, and everything that, that folks are all, we're all sharing these things in common. Uh, but I've also been doing a lot of self-reflection over the last 10 months. Uh, and not a reflection that I went looking for, it was actually a reflection that found its way to me, but it was good. And it continues to be good because one of the things it's doing is it's making me more curious. It's making me more curious about a lot of different things. Uh, and one of the things that's made me more curious about is kind of how I got here spiritually. I don't mean how did I, how did I end up in the family I ended up in. I know who my mother and father are. I know uh, somewhat of their family tree. But I've begun to be really curious about how I got here spiritually. Uh, and so I've been asking people, who brought you to Jesus? And pretty much everybody I've asked that question to can give an answer But then I've asked the next question, well, who brought them and who brought them? And it's interesting to hear how far back people know and what their story is. So I've been doing my own research. I'm going to introduce you or maybe reintroduce you to uh, some folks that are in my story and maybe they're in yours as well. I want to introduce you, first of all, 1921 to a guy named Stuart McClellan. Now, Stuart McClellan was a pastor. He's a pastor out in California. And if you look at this group, picture, and you can find that picture on the website of First Presbyterian Church of Hollywood, California. The guy in the middle of the, as you look at the picture, the left-hand group, but the guy in the closest to the middle, the really tall gentleman, that's a guy named Stuart McClellan. He became the second pastor of First Pres Hollywood in 1921. Nothing really amazing about him. Good, rock-steady pastor, uh, grew the church. Hollywood in those days was a very, very, very tiny suburb. Uh, but he was, he was a, a solid pastor. But he was really good at one particular thing. He was really good at spotting talent. And the talent he spotted in 1927 was a young woman who had come to California because of an ailment. She was born in Fargo, North Dakota. She had lived all of her life in the upper Midwest. And she had a variety of different ailments. And she thought that perhaps moving out west, a little bit drier climate, 
that might help her. And so 1927, uh, Henrietta Mears, along with her sister, traveled to California. Now, she had heard Dr. McClellan speak at a church in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, uh, back in 19, I think it was 1923. And so when she got out to California, she heard that he was the pastor of this church. They went and visited one Sunday. Dr. McClellan took them out to lunch, took Henrietta and her sister out to lunch. And he was immediately impressed by the mind of Henrietta Mears and her passion to teach the Word of God, especially to children, to young people, and to teenagers, to, to what we would call today middle school students and high school students. And almost on the spot, Dr. McClellan offered her the job of being in charge of Christian education at Hollywood Presbyterian. She thought about it, she prayed about it, and she took the job. Well, what does that have to do with Tom Ricks? Well, hang on, uh, there's more. Henrietta Mears in 1927 took this job on, and over the course of uh, several decades, she had a wide variety of young people come through her Sunday school ministry, some of which you probably know today, and some of which maybe have a direct link to your salvation. If you've ever heard of the gentleman named Jim Rayburn, Jim Rayburn was the founder of Young Life. Perhaps you heard of a gentleman named Bill Bright. Bill Bright was the founder of Campus Crusade, which today is called Crew. Both of those men were students under Henrietta Mears. Dick Halverson, who later went on to become the pastor of Fourth Presbyterian Church in Bethesda, Maryland, and Senate cha chaplain to the United States Senate sat under Henrietta Mears' teaching. Well, there was another young man. He was actually Jim Rayburn's brother. His name was Robert or Bob Rayburn. Dr. Bob Rayburn uh, was one of the founding pastors of Covenant Seminary and Covenant College, which were both located here in St. Louis. The, Dr. Rayburn uh, had a vision for a college experience and a seminary experience for young people that were coming up in the Presbyterian churches. So he moved his family to St. Louis, and they began that process. Well, in 1947, he brought a young pastor to St. Louis who only pastored in St. Louis for about two years, and his name was Francis Schaefer. Uh, you've probably heard of Francis Schaefer if you've been a Christian for a while, one of the foremost minds in the Christian community in the 20th century. But I don't want to talk about Francis Schaeffer. I want to talk about his wife, Edith Schaeffer. Edith Schaeffer led a Bible study in this church in St. Louis for approximately the two years that she lived in St. Louis. And during that time, there was a young woman uh, who had just been married uh, and was just starting out in, in her married life and with her husband. And uh, they were expecting their first child. And she was not a believer and she was invited by a friend to attend this Bible study. I'll show you a picture of this woman because here's the direct link. There's a picture of my mom uh, back in the early, uh, mid-1940s, I think. That's a picture uh, of my mom. She was the woman who did not believe in Jesus. And any of you that know my mom or knew my mom, like how there was never a time when Laverne Ricks didn't know Jesus, but there was. Uh, she was actually quite the wild child, uh, and that, not that I bore any resemblance to that when I was younger, uh, but she uh, was brought to that Bible study by a friend, and she gave her life to Jesus. And in 1966, as one of her children, uh, through that ministry at Covenant Church out on Ballast Road here in St. Louis, I too gave my life to Christ. So I can actually go back. I, 
this curiosity took a while. I can actually go back about five spiritual generations to see how the Lord brought the gospel to me. And so the questions, I have two questions I want you to consider this morning. The first one is who brought the gospel to you? The second question I would like for us to consider is who's going to get the gospel through you? Or as I will ask it of myself, who's going to get the gospel through me? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 16, excuse me, verses 5 through 11, hear the word of God. Paul's beginning to wrap up his letter to the Christians in Corinth, and he says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter, so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. <coughs> but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door of effective work has been opened to me, and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, that's one of Paul's young apprentices, when Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. Let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me. For I'm expecting him with the brothers. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. Let's pray together. Uh, and again, I want to give you a time for silent prayer to ask the Lord to speak to you, and then I'll lead us uh, together in a corporate prayer. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for the promise that Mallory read a few minutes ago, that the Spirit of the Lord uh, is upon the anointed one to proclaim good news. Father, we need good news. <laughs> uh, there has been so much difficult news in our lives recently. Uh, we feel wearisome. We feel burdened. Uh, we feel as if maybe the, uh, we would like to think the end is in sight, but, uh, but, but maybe not. Uh, this uh, COVID and its uh, subsequent ripple effects seem to, to be lingering and going on and on. Father, we, we've heard news recently that there may be a, uh, a vaccine, and Lord, we pray that's true. We pray that you would be with those researchers and doctors who are, who are trying to uh, coordinate that and, and uh, make sure that it is safe and bring it to market. Lord, we pray for those who are affected by COVID. We have, we have in, our, in our congregation, our spiritual family, Many who have been affected by this, uh, either physically or fall out of that, maybe even economically. And so, Lord, uh, we pray for your good news this morning to reach into our lives, right where we are, with our fear, with our doubt, with our anxiety, uh, with our trepidation. And, Lord, we pray that you would shine your light into our lives. Father, we thank you this morning, if we are believers, that someone brought the good news of the gospel to us. We thank you that, that someone invested in a way that led to us hearing about Jesus. So, Father, we want to celebrate that this morning. We want to give you thanks for that, that you didn't just leave that uh, haphazard chance, but you actually put those pieces in puzzle, the, the, the folks I just described. You did that because part of what you were doing was going to bring me to salvation and so many others. 
But Father, help us not stop there. Help us understand in this text that Paul's calling the Corinthians and he's calling us to be part of those who make sure someone else hears the gospel. Uh, We pray that you would teach us that this morning. Father, forgive my sin. Uh, Anything in my heart that would hinder your word going forward, Lord, we pray that you would teach us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've already given you a a bit of an obvious hint to the sermon in a sentence this morning. It's simply this. Someone help bring the gospel to me. Am I helping the gospel message on its way? Am I going to be an instrument that God uses to share it with others? Uh, And am I going to do that uh, by trusting in God and investing uh, my life, my resources, my time, my treasure, my talent uh, to that end? Uh, Believe it or not, only, only two points this morning. I asked my assistant earlier this week, how many points do you want to guess I have in my sermon? She immediately guessed four and then five and was shocked when I said I only had two points. But the two points are simply this. The gospel comes to us through other folks. And then secondly, the gospel goes through us to other folks. So let's look first at what Paul says about the, the gospel coming to us. And he's talking about the gospel in this context coming to the Corinthians. In verse 5, he says this, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, so on and, and so forth. Uh, Paul had already brought the gospel to Corinth. Originally, you can read about that back in, in, in Acts, uh, in chapter, uh, and now I've lost it. I want to say chapter 16. I'm going to flip over there to make sure I don't point you in the wrong direction. Uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 18. You can read about that in Acts chapter 18. Uh, Paul has already proclaimed the gospel. People have come to faith. They're now growing in their faith. And Paul is now saying to them, I'm going to circle back around. Uh, He's going to circle back around to help them be secure in their faith, uh, to grow them up in their faith, to disciple them, so to speak, but also to proclaim the good news of the gospel to others that are in Corinth who are yet to believe. So, So the Corinthians would ask the question, how did we come to faith? Who brought the gospel to us? One of their first answers would be, oh, Paul, our good friend Paul was one who shared the gospel with us. But he also mentions that Timothy is part of this project as well. If you look down at verse uh, 10, he says this, when Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you. So Paul is being very clear. I've been there and I'm coming back. Going to continue to grow the gospel there. And Timothy, who's one of Paul's chief right-hand guys, uh, one one of his main helpers, Paul's already going to go ahead and send Timothy. Chances are, Timothy brought this letter to the church in Corinth. So Timothy is the one who is also going to bring the gospel. He's also going to bring discipleship to Corinth. And it just makes the simple point. The gospel comes to us through other folks. Now, there was an expense to get Paul to Corinth. There was an expense to get Timothy to Corinth. There were times when Paul paid his own way. There were times when Paul, who was a tent maker, would spend time not preaching the gospel, but would spend time uh, making tents, selling them, and then using the proceeds to cover the cost of his journey. So it may have been that Paul invested directly in Timothy's ministry. It may have been that someone else, maybe their friends Priscilla and Aquila, who were also tent makers, maybe they invested. But somebody paved the way and literally paid the way for Timothy to be able to bring the gospel to Corinth. And that's what I want us to see this morning. Somebody brought the gospel to me. And I can say, well, it was my mom and it was those folks uh, at, at Covenant Presbyterian Church, and that would be true. 
But you could go back beyond that. You could go back uh, to Edith Schaefer, to Dr. Rayburn, who had a vision to bring the, the seminary to St. Louis. You could go back to Henrietta Mears and so on and so forth. And, and you could get all the way back to Paul because I'm a Gentile, I'm not a Jew. So good chance that my salvation came through Paul's ministry and then ultimately to the Lord Jesus himself. Between Paul and, uh, and Dr. McLennan, the, the, the picture's a little fuzzy. If I get any more information on that, I'll let you know. But the fact remains, someone brings us the gospel. Uh, 86 years ago, I'll show you a picture of a little card that was filled out at a what we would call uh, a revival or, or maybe a tent meeting. Uh, as an itinerant pastor comes through town and preaches, this particular preacher happened to be a gentleman named Mordecai Ham. Uh, and 86 years ago this month, he preached in the countryside of North Carolina, and a young man heard the gospel and put his faith in the Lord Jesus, and he filled out a response card. And I don't know if you can see that very well, but the response card that was filled out there, and I believe it was 1937, is a young man named Billy Graham. On November 1st of that year, Mordecai Ham preached a sermon, and in that sermon response, Billy Graham came forward and gave his life to Christ. Somebody always brings the gospel. And we thank God for that. So I would encourage you today, small application to the sermon. Spend some time thinking about who brought you to Jesus. If you know them, if they're still alive and you don't know who brought them to Jesus, maybe give them a call and ask them that question and see if they can recall how far back and you can maybe put together a little bit of your own spiritual family tree. It grows our appreciation for the wisdom and the providence of God that weaves the gospel message down through the ages so that it eventually finds us, that we can give praise to God that somebody brought the gospel to us. But secondly, and where I want to spend just a little bit more time this morning is this, that the gospel goes through us to others. Paul says in verse 6, perhaps I'll stay with you or even spend the winter. So Paul's talking to good friends. Uh, You can think about maybe shooting an email to somebody, uh, although have to wait till COVID's over, but hey, we're going to come and visit, and we're such good friends, we're going to stay for a couple weeks, and the people on the receiving end of that are really happy to to get that news. So Paul says, "I, I may stay the whole winter, but then he says this, so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. There's a couple of things that are interesting about this. First of all, when Paul says that you may help me, he's asking them for financial assistance. He's not beating around the bush. He's not kind of, you know, hoping that somebody catches on and says, hey, can we help you in some way? He's basically saying to them, as I have helped you, so now I'm counting on you to help me. So he says, the gospel has helped me. How do I help get the gospel to others? And so Paul's speaking specifically there about financial support, that the Corinthians and a host of other cities where he's visited, uh, those folks could help him on his way. And the Corinthians did. Uh, They supported Paul. And if you go, if you have a Bible, if you have a, a real live Bible that's still, you can go to the back and look at all those maps. The last map in your Bible is the map of Paul's missionary journeys. And you can see where Paul went on his third and fourth missionary journeys and all the places where the gospel touched because of churches like Corinth who invested in Paul's ministry. The gospel goes through us to others. So Paul 
is asking the Corinthians to be of support to him. And the second thing I want you to notice about this is Paul is wide open to where the gospel may lead. So he doesn't pigeonhole himself wherever I may go. I think about this in the history of Green Tree, just our short little 21, 22 year history and all the places the gospel has gone through Green Tree Community Church. And uh, it's it, it it would not be easy to measure at this point. When you think of the churches that we've had a hand in planting, and you think about the places and the people those churches have touched. Uh, I know, for example, of a young woman who is on staff at the crossing down in Columbia, Missouri. She's on their campus ministry staff. Uh, Cindy and I uh, support her. We, we want the gospel to go through her, and we want to we help that happen. Uh, but she has shared the gospel not only in Columbia, Missouri, very faithfully, uh, but once a year, again, COVID allowing, uh, she travels to Japan. And she goes with a group of students, and she shares the gospel in Japan. Some of those students end up coming back here and doing a, a semester at University of Missouri, and their ministry sets all that up with the whole intention of bringing people to Jesus. I think that's fascinating. And that's just one teeny tiny story of how God can use us to send the gospel to others. So Paul says, wherever I go, I'm, I'm not going to limit it. Wherever God leads me, the gospel is going to be preached there. And I'll, and I'll make one other observation here. I said too, i I'll make a, a third one real quickly. Paul's ready to preach the gospel. Wherever Paul goes, the gospel is going. Can I say that's true in my life? There are places I go where I'm like, ah, I don't know that I want to talk to people about Jesus here. It might, might be embarrassing. It might be, might be too hard. It might cause a ruckus. Paul was singularly focused on wherever he went, the gospel went. And so he calls on the Corinthians to help him. But he also calls on the Corinthians to help Timothy. Look at, at verse 11. Uh, it says, when Timothy comes, take care of him, right? So let no one despise him. And now he uses this exact same language. Help him on his way in peace. Timothy was helped on his way by the Corinthians at Paul's instruction. So Paul, Timothy's a young man. He probably comes with a little bit of fear and trembling, probably a little bit less self-confidence than Paul had at this stage in his life. And so Paul says, you need to help him. You need to support him financially. You need to make sure that, that as Timothy's going, wherever Timothy goes, and you can read about Timothy's life uh, in church history accounts, uh, it, it's pretty apparent that Timothy became the first bishop of the church in Ephesus. Uh, it's, it, it seems apparent from church history, although it's not recorded in Scripture, uh, and, uh, in and or around 97 a, uh, A.D., Timothy was martyred for his faith. He was killed for his faith in Christ. But Timothy went a lot of places. And he shared the gospel with a lot of people. And the Corinthians were allowed to have a hand in that. The gospel goes through us to others. Where are we sending the gospel? Where is Green Tree Community Church sending the gospel? I want to suggest there are a couple of ways that we do that. The first is simply through friendly conversations. Getting to know people, enjoying natural company with folks and being curious about their lives and, and being interested in their lives and, and caring about their lives and caring that people come to know Jesus. Uh, there's a picture on your screen right now that was taken uh, a couple of summers ago when I happened to be in Berkeley, California. And I was visiting some friends there that were planting a church. And I met this gentleman, a wonderful guy. 
Uh, originally, uh, his home country is Germany. He had lived in South Africa for many years, and he ended up eventually in California, and he was in the construction business, and he built tiny houses. So you can see how much of that house I take up. You're looking at pretty much uh, the entire house. But as my friend and I, uh, Jose Figueroa, and I were walking around Jose's neighborhood, we walked in and met this gentleman, and he let us come in and look at tiny house, explained it to us. And we were walking out, and Jose said, you know, we've been trying to get him interested in coming to church, and he, we have a house church, and he, he may or may not, you know, show up. And so as we were leaving, I, I pulled the gentleman aside and said, hey, I'm going out to dinner with Jose and several of his friends. I would love for you to come and be my guest. I'd love to learn more about you. And we ended up getting to sit that night together at dinner. And over the course of the meal, I got to share the gospel with him and just had the chance to tell him how much Jesus loved him. The gospel goes through us to others. And, and, and yes, in a second, I'm going to talk about financial investment. Don't, don't make any mistakes about that. But before we go there, just know it's in front of you all the time. It's all around us. And just being ready to have a friendly conversation with others that would give us the opportunity to share the gospel with the folks that Jesus brings across our path. But like the Corinthians, I believe God is calling Green Tree to support through our finances, through our resources with which he has blessed us, the mission and the ministry of the gospel. Giving to the ministries of Green Tree Community Church helps us reach the world for Christ. It helps us share the gospel with people around us. Now, I've, I've put a map on the world there, and I've listed several nations around the world not because I'm going to any of those nations anytime in the near future, but I had an interesting experience this week. Uh, this week, I had the opportunity to run down to our ministry partners, uh, Oasis International, and they're on Gravoid down by the Bevo Mill. And they had these boxes put together for Thanksgiving dinners. And they were going out to folks who had moved to the United States or immigrants to the United States from other countries. And I was given uh, my list of folks had five different people from five different countries. And those countries are listed there. Well, due to the amazing uh, abilities of, of computer technology these days, I could actually type a letter, a personal letter. Let's take the first one. Uh, there's a woman who is living here in the United States from the Congo. I'm sure there are many, but she, this one was on my list. I was able to, able to type in English and have it come up on the other side of the page in Congolese. And that's just amazing. So I typed the message of the gospel. And I said, we're so thankful that through the Lord Jesus, we can offer you this meal. We hope you enjoy it. Jesus is the bread of our life, and we want him to be the bread of It just was able to type this message in and send it along. So these folks from Libya and Iraq and Miramar and Burma uh, are going to get boxes of, of meals this weekend. And attached to those will be the gospel message. The reason that's possible is because Oasis International is a ministry partner of ours. We, we support them financially. When you and I write a check, so to speak, the Green Tree, I give online, but we write the check, the Green Tree, some of those funds go to this ministry partner, which eventually in November of 2020 allowed me to write five notes. I don't know what will happen with that, but the Lord does. I don't need to worry about the outcome of that. I just need to be faithful in understanding that the gospel goes through us to others. I wouldn't have been able to write those notes if you didn't support the ministry of Green Tree Community Church financially. If we weren't in this together, 
resourcing as much as we possibly can through the grace of God, we wouldn't have the opportunity for these kind of simple moments, whether it's a friendly conversation or a handwritten note or, or another aspect of ministry to share the gospel. And so Paul says, help me on my way. Paul says, help Timothy on his way. On their way where? Their, their way to share the gospel with others. So let's talk application for just a minute this morning. How do we apply this text in 1 Corinthians 16, which is kind of the, the simple part. Not a lot of theology in this. It's kind of Paul telling them what's, what his travel plans are. But how do we apply this notion that Paul writes here? We brought it to you. We want you to help us bring it to others. The first I would just say is I, I want all of us to have an attitude of helping the Green Tree spiritual family be faithful in sending the gospel. I want, I want everybody who's in the Green Tree family, myself included, to be giving financially to Green Tree Community Church. Our dollars are well spent here. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean that we're without flaw. Doesn't mean we won't make mistakes. But the heart of Green Tree is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Make no mistake about that. We are passionate about sharing the gospel with others. We're passionate about discipling and seeing people grow in their faith. In order for us to do that, you and I need to be investing in the ministries of Green Tree. And where do we invest? Well, we invest in our own backyard. We invest in Kirkwood. We invest in, in St. Louis. We invest right here, Oasis International. It's one of our ministry partners right here. We also invest in church planting around the nation. And that picture you see on your screen right now is actually a picture that was taken last fall in 2019 at our church planters conference that was held out in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I'm not going to point out exactly where they are. I probably could have circled their faces uh, on that picture earlier. But in this picture, uh, uh, Boone, our, our good uh, brother, uh, Sean Boone, our church planter in Ferguson is in that picture. There's also uh, in that picture a church planter from Nashville, Tennessee, and a church planter from Detroit, Michigan, both of whom we've sent funds to for church planting. So we're investing in seeing the gospel of Jesus go to other cities around their nation. And I could go on and talk about those we support, support around the world. Uh, we support folks in the Middle East. We support, support folks in the Caribbean. We support folks east, west, north, and south. Because everywhere we want to see the gospel of Jesus Christ grow and thrive and uh, the kingdom of God expanded people coming to Christ for salvation. So the simple application today is, where am I going? And am I taking the gospel with me? That's, that's the first and just the very personal application. But the second application, I think, is just as important. I don't think it's more important for me to share the gospel verbally than it is to invest financially, nor do I think it's more important that I invest financially than share. I think they're of equal importance if they both spring out of a heart that wants to see the kingdom of God grow. So this week, perhaps, as you're considering filling out uh, a pledge card for Green Tree, either electronically or, or one that you receive in the mail, I hope you will do that in the context of curiosity. Being curious about who brought the gospel to you, you probably know that, but who brought the gospel to them? And who brought the gospel to them? And realizing that, that all along the way, this 
this unbelievable menagerie of, of the kingdom of God that's been put together, your story's woven in there because God made sure that somebody brought the gospel to you. And then prayerfully ask the question, God, how can I have the gospel flow through me to others? How can I invest? Where can I give? What, what conversations can you bring me into? And, and what kind of investment can I make to grow the kingdom of God? God sent his gospel to us. To whom will we send it? Will you pray with me? Father, we think of some of the rock stars of the last century of Christianity. Henrietta Mears, oh my goodness, the most influential Christian of the 20th century, in my opinion, is a Sunday school teacher in Southern California. She was kind of sickly. She didn't get out much. But boy, oh boy, was she passionate about talking to high school students about Jesus. And the results of that literally hundreds of thousands of people, maybe millions of people, have come to Christ through the ministry of Henrietta Mears. I'm one of those people that's a ripple effect of that ministry. Father, thank you that somebody told the gospel to somebody who eventually told it to me. Father, thank you for the Christians of, of, of First Pres Hollywood who were faithful to make sure Henrietta Mears had a salary so she could do her job. Uh, Lord, sometimes we, we overcomplicate it. Sometimes it's just that simple. Lord, thank you that you call us not only to receive the gospel with thankful hearts, but to pass it on with thankful hearts. Lord, we hope, we pray that someday in heaven there are people who are there because the gospel flowed through Green Tree Community Church. So, Father, make us faithful. Challenge our hearts. Stir us up. Don't let us be comfortable not thinking about this. Don't, Lord, help us not to dismiss this as the pastor's talking about money again. Father, help us to see the opportunity that is before us. This is our day. This is our generation. This is our opportunity to be those who have received the gospel and now through whom the gospel flows. Your will be done, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.